All right. We are in a series talking about growth. Right? We talk a lot in church about we got to grow, we got to mature, we got to do all of those things. I'm not always sure we know what that looks like, feels like, all that stuff. So we've been talking about the idea of growth, profiling growth. What does that look like? And so we talked that first week about our uniqueness, right? About every pot, right? Everything that holds these seeds, there's a uniqueness to it, whether it's in the style, the paint, right? The fabric that makes it up, whatever it is, the size, they're unique. We're all unique. Everybody online, everybody in here, God made each of you unique. Somebody say amen. And the reality is that we live in a world today where we want the world to respond to us because of our uniqueness, right? Whether it's the way we look, whether it's the color of our skin, whether it's the skill we possess, the language we speak, we would like the world to cater to us based on our uniqueness. The problem is God doesn't respond to you and I because we're unique. He responds to us because of his character toward those of us he created. Amen? And aren't you grateful that God does not respond to you situationally based on how you act as a cracked pot? Right? God loves all of us in spite of who we are, in spite of what we've been through. Bible says he will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. That God is near to the brokenhearted. Amen? It isn't our uniqueness that drives God. It is God's character that drives God to each of us and his desire for us. Amen? Amen. Last week we talked about the soil. It's the heart that God wants. God's work will be done in the heart of mankind. He will take our hearts of stone and he will turn them into hearts of flesh. That's the place that God wants to work. The problem with that is this, that according to scripture, your heart, my heart is deceitful above all things, right? Deceitful above all things. Everybody say all things, right? Who could know it? Listen, You might think you know your heart. You may think you know your spouse's heart. You may think you know the heart of your children. You do not. We do not because our heart is deceitful above all things. So Proverbs says, guard your heart, right? For out of it flow all the wellsprings or issues of life. In the Hebrew, the word issues means boundaries, guidelines. So here's what we learn about our heart. We've got to put guards or boundaries around our heart because our heart sets the boundaries of our life, right? For where your treasure is, there your will be also. This influential organ that God wants is evil. And if you don't guard it by setting, by setting boundaries around it, the thing that will make the decisions, your heart will exercise a lack of boundary. We talked about the decision-making process of the human brain last week, right? We've got that limbic brain, that part of our brain that works on emotion and works on feelings. It's the decision-making part of our brain, the neocortex that processes facts and figures and numbers and has language. It makes no decisions. It simply analyzes data, right? But the part of your brain that actually will make a decision is the limbic part of our brain. And that part of our brain is the part of our brain that drives our heart to where we say, I just know this in my gut, right? And guess what? That thing is wicked, wicked. You ever make a decision based on how you feel and then wished you would have made a better one? Yeah. Right. That's because the boundary maker needs a couple boundaries, right? So this week, we're talking about the thing that God's going to put in that soil. If God's going to do the work in your heart and in my heart, what will he plant in there to get that work done? Right? And so we're going to talk about that seed. Before we do, I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's read a couple verses. These are our theme verses. I didn't read them last week, and I apologize. But these are our theme verses of the week, or of this series. Colossians chapter 2, Paul writes in verse... Six and seven. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, how many of you online in here have received Jesus as Lord? Let me hear you say amen. He said, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue, continue to what? Live in him, right? That when we do, we are rooted, 
We are built up in him. We are strengthened in the faith as we were taught. And we are overflowing with thankfulness. Great measure of your maturity in Jesus is how thankful you are. You can be seated. All right. Those are our theme verses. Right? As you've received Jesus, continue to live in him. How? Root yourself. So you can be built up. And you can be overflowing. Right? That's the goal of every believer is to be presented fully mature in Christ, right? Well, how do we get there? Understand who you are first. Get who you are. You were made by God, right? You were made by God, right? You weren't a, you weren't a mistake. Your parents may say you were a mistake, but that's because your parents aren't very smart, okay? God makes no mistakes. Somebody say amen, right? This doesn't happen. God creates every person, knits them together in the womb of a mother and creates them fearfully and wonderfully, right? Breathes the breath of life into every individual. They are unique. Know who you are. And be grateful that God responds to you because he has a character that is unmoved, right? Be grateful that God wants your heart. Be grateful that God wants your heart. Listen, some of you know the the pain of rejection, Somebody who's rejected you, they've heard your heart, you've told them who you are, you've shared how you feel, you've really put your guard down and let a person inside your heart. You, some of you online, some of you in here know the betrayal and the hurt that comes when you expose your heart and somebody rejects it. Amen? We know that feeling, right? It's not fun. But the God of the universe that made you unique wants to live in one place. He wants to live in your heart. That's how important it is to him. That's the space he wants. He understands its power. He understands that your heart will make decisions. And your heart needs a place to make decisions that's healthy and safe. Which means God will do work in your heart to help you create boundaries for your boundary maker. But how's he going to get there? Only one way. He's going to get there through the word of God. Through the seed that he plants in that soil. Right? That's how God will help you and I to put boundaries over our boundary maker is when his word takes root in our hearts. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's talk about seeds. I got a couple pictures, right? I don't know why. I feel like we're in a season of technology, so I should use it, right? Guess what this is? It's a seed. Big deal, right? Seen it, right? Here's some seeds. All kinds, all shapes, all sizes. They're pretty amazing. I'm going to read this to you because I'm not a botanist. I'm not a gardener. And I don't really care. All right? But I do want to read this. Listen to this. Seeds are fascinating. Some time ago, I did this calculation. This was in an agriculture book. Planting one grain of wheat. Planting one grain of wheat produces a single stock of wheat with an average of 50 to 60 kernels on that stock. If you plant every kernel harvested off that one kernel for four consecutive seasons, by the fourth season of planting, averaging 55 kernels per stock, you will gain over 9 million kernels of wheat, a yield of approximately 610 pounds. That's the potential of one seed in four years. It's pretty amazing, right? Here's what another scientific book said about seeds. The impacts of seeds on our lives is enormous. Think about it. Seeds are the foundation of human and animal life on earth. The foods we eat, the fibers in our clothes we wear, and most of the products we use in our daily lives are created from seeds. From corn, from cotton, and canola, to wheat, barley, and soybean, to vegetables, flax, and flowers. As the delivery mechanism for new plant technologies and varieties, seed is also the crux of agriculture. Quality seed is essential for growing quality crops, Products grown from seeds are critical in meeting modern consumers' needs for the four F's. Food, feed, fiber, and fuel. Seeds are unbelievably important in our society. Would you agree with that, yes or no? Man, if you don't believe me, you should do a little research. It is amazing how much of everyday life, real life, like human life and animal life and life that is sustained comes from seeds. Without seeds, you know what would happen to us? 
we would die. Our human race would stop, would stop working. It would cease to exist, right? All animals would cease to exist. All plant life would cease to exist, right? If seeds stopped showing up, there would be no life. That's the power of a seed. It's the reason for the analogy that God uses with the power of the word of God when he talks about the the word of God being the seed that's planted in the soil. I want to share a couple of scriptures with you. Let's read Matthew chapter 13, just so we're clear, because I don't want you to think I'm just making stuff up, right? So Matthew 13, there's a parable of the sower, and here's what the parable says. Jesus says, listen to what the parable of the sower means, right? The parable is the sower went out to sow, right? Some seeds fell on hard ground, some fell on rocky ground, some fell among the thorns and the thistles, and some fell on good on good ground. Jesus explains the parable and he says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, he says, the evil one comes, snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. He equates the seed with the message of the gospel, right? How about this verse in Mark Mark chapter four? Mark's a little bit more clear. Mark says the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, right? As soon as they hear it, the word, Satan comes, takes away that word that was sown in them, right? There's an equation here that the word of God equals seed planted in soil. Does everybody see that? Yes or no? All right. Let me read this passage to you. So you get a picture of what the purpose of that seed is. Mark 4, 26. Mark 4, 26 says this, all your words are true. Now that's Psalm 119. It should be Mark 4, 26 after the Mark 4 passage. Do you have it? It's Mark 4, 26 through 29. It's right. If you missed one, it was the one right before that. It's no big deal. So Mark describes what happens when the seed gets planted. Mark 4, 26, right? He's going to describe what's going to happen and how this process works, which is why it's so important. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed, right? So the kingdom, the kingdom of God is made up of this. A man scattering what? Seed. Everybody say seed. He scatters the seed on the ground, right? Look what happens. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, that seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how, right? All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Listen, there's a purpose in the seed. The purpose is to create this life cycle. That ultimately ends in this harvest. Right? The seed has power in our lives and potential in our lives. It has, there is so much promise within the seed when it gets into the soil. Right? And listen, if the seed is the word of God, the reason why this should be important to you and to me is because what scripture says about this seed. Psalm 119, 60 says this about the seed. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are what? Eternal. How about this passage? Proverbs 30 verse 5 says this. You just bring these up one after another, David. Every word of God is flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. How about this one? Isaiah 40 verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Everybody online, everybody in here, read this with me. But the word of God forever. And one more. How about this one? Matthew 24 verse 35. Same thing. Everybody in here online, read this with me. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will Listen, not only is the seed the word of the God, is the word of God, but that seed is eternal and will last for how long? Forever. So it's not just your typical seed. It's the thing when heaven and earth pass away, it's the thing that will remain. The word of God is eternal, it's flawless, and it will last forever. And it has the potential when planted to create a stock, create a head, create grain and be prepared for the harvest. We have no idea how it works. 
It has all kinds of potential and power. And here's what he says. If I want your heart, I'm going to have to plant something in your heart. Because what's needed in your heart doesn't come with you anymore at birth. Because it's been marred by the sin of Adam and Eve. Right? So now i got to give you something else in your heart. So that this decision maker can make good decisions. It's the word of God. So let's talk about the word of God from three different angles. Here's the first angle. Potential. Right? Potential. When I talk about the Word of God, listen, the Word of God, the Word of God, according to Scripture, the Word of God is Jesus Christ Himself. Somebody say amen. Right? That the Word became flesh and dwelt among us suggests that Jesus Himself is, right, was and will be after His time of Jesus is done. He is the Word of God. Amen? When he returns in Revelation, riding on his white horse, his name will be written on his thigh and it will say, Word of God. It will not say, Jesus of Nazareth. It will say, Word of God. Ultimately, the Word of God is Jesus. Everybody say, Amen. This book, this book we call the Word of God. Right? We call this the word of God because it is just that God speaking through people to give us his word about the word, Jesus Christ, right? Listen, it can be complicated, but for our purposes tonight, right? When I say seed and word of God, I want you to think Bible. Everybody okay with that? I want you to think about this book. Right? Ultimately, this book points to the actual seed, which is Jesus Christ, the original seed, right, in Genesis 3.15. But this, for this purpose, we're going to talk about this book. All right? So let's talk about it from the, the idea of potential. Everybody say potential. My favorite part of my job is looking at people and seeing potential. My favorite thing about coaching when I coached all those years sports was seeing people and trying to figure out potential. I love that part of my job. I love interviewing people and looking at these people, seeing their giftedness, hearing their story, and just seeing what potential there could be for those people. It's my favorite thing about what I do and what I've always done, right? The word of God, the seed has potential. Let's talk about it. Matthew 13, 8. Let's read these verses, just these three back to back. Still other seed fell on good soil. Listen to what happens when the word of God falls on good soil. That soil, right, and that word produced a crop, what? A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Is that a good seed? Yes or no? Yeah, if one seed produces a hundredfold, that's an incredible seed, right? Others like it, Mark 20 says. Before 20, others like seed sown on good soil. Hear the word and accept it. If you've heard the word of God, accepted it, say amen. You want to know how your good soil? Here's what he says. And that person then produces a crop, right? Something God can use that's 30, 60, or even a hundred times what was sown in you. And then in Luke 8 it says this, the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and what? Good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, everybody say persevering, produce a crop. The reason why we read all three of those accounts is they bring up different aspects of it. Listen, if you're a believer in here today and online, let me hear you say amen. Listen, you want to get to a point that God produces a crop on you, you're going to have to persevere. You cannot quit. You cannot quit. There can be no quit in you, right? Every season, every season, every season that gets you to, to get you to harvest will be harder than the season before. And every season that gets harder, you're going to want to quit. It's only through a noble, a noble and pure heart that retains the word, right? And perseveres can you get to harvest. Because if you've ever watched a farmer farm, that crop has to persevere to get to harvest, right? It doesn't matter if if it's 180 degrees outside with 400% humidity or if it doesn't rain for six and a half months, right? It doesn't matter if it's 32 degrees when it's time. If that crop will persevere, the combines will roll and the harvest will be taken in. If you persevere by keeping God's word and you don't quit, God will use every single one of us for his purposes. Somebody say amen. There's all kinds of potential with the word of God. Listen to what 
Matthew 13, 31 through 33 says about the potential of this seed. He told them another parable, right? The kingdom of heaven is like a what? All right, David, did you get that picture? Let me show you a picture of the mustard seed, right? Can you see that? That's the picture of the top of a finger and that's a little tiny mustard seed. Everybody see it, right? He says, bring that verse back up, David. Right? He says, he told them a parable, the kingdom of heaven is like that little dinky seed. Look what happens. He says, that man took that seed and he planted it in a what? So he took this tiny little infinitesimal seed, plants it in a field and look what happens. The, the Bible says that seed, though it's the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, he says, it's the largest of garden plants, becomes a tree, right? So that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. That is taken from the prophet and that prophet wrote that saying about Gentiles and Jews both coming together in the kingdom of God. So here's what he said. You can take a little dinky mustard seed and you can grow a kingdom so large that both Gentiles and Jews will find home in it. Is that potential? Yes or no? It's remarkable potential, right? It's remarkable potential, right? How about this passage? Bring the Isaiah passage up. Isaiah 55 says this about the potential of God's word. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish... Right, So that it yields seed for the sower and the bread for the eater. Listen to this. So God says is my word that goes out from my mouth. My word, God says, will not return to me. What? Empty. But my word will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Is God's word got potential? Yes or no? Yeah. It's got all kinds of potential. That seed can produce 30, 60, 100 fold. That mustard seed can produce a tree so large that every bird will want to come and take perch in it. That word of God, the Bible says, when it goes out, it never returns as a failure. It always accomplishes its purposes for which it's been sent out. Is that potential? Yes or no? Listen, that potential is available for every person through the presence of the word of God in their heart. What God can do in you and through you, through his word, you, you and I could not even begin to comprehend. That's how much potential is in that single tiny seed of the word of God. You talk about why is the word so important? Why do you think the word of God is so attacked? Why do you think there's an onslaught to try to convince the world that the word of God is not true? That it's just a, it's just a book of good teachings and Proverbs, but it's really not true. Why? Because the potential of what that word could do in your heart, which is evil beyond measure, and my heart, which is evil beyond measure, what that word could do in us, it's a game changer. So what's Satan going to do? He's going to convince us the word of God isn't important. Go to church and never read your Bible. Oh, just get one verse a day and that makes you a soldier for Jesus. No, the word of God has got to dwell richly. It's got to dwell richly in your life. It's got to dwell richly in your heart, right? The word has to take a place in your life. I mean, think about it. You get 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 168 hours a week. How many of those hours or even minutes or seconds does the word have any chance to penetrate your heart? And you wonder why God isn't doing anything, why there's no, no miracle happening, why there's no 30, 60, 100 fold crop happening. Well, I'm serving Jesus. Well, I'm coming to church. That's all well and good. But it's not what God planted. He didn't plant church in your heart. He didn't plant worship in your heart. He planted the word of God. That word is what makes all the difference in the world. The potential is beyond measure. Um, bring that next verse back up. Luke chapter 8 verse 11 and 12 says this. Right? Luke writes this. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Right? This is where it all begins. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear the word of God. And then the devil comes. Takes away the word from their hearts. Right? So that they may not believe and be what? You know what the greatest potential of the word of God is? The word of God can save people. Sozo, rescue, salvation. So some of you online tonight, some of you in here don't know Jesus. I know it. 
It's all going to start there. You can talk about potential. We can talk about potential all we want, but you got to take the first step. And the first step is this. You got to hear God's word. You got to believe it because once you hear God's word and believe it, you can be saved. Somebody say, amen. It is the greatest potential that human, that humans have. And that is to be saved and to be rescued for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Somebody say, amen. Nobody perfect in here. Is that true? Is anybody perfect? Yes or no? None of us are perfect. The Bible describes us as all who have fallen short of God's glory and the wages of sin is death. We all have an issue. Guess what we need? We need potential. We need some hope. The word of God, when heard and received, provides us rescue, sozo, salvation. For some of you, that's where it starts tonight. So if you're online, there's a button. I have decided, right? Press that button. It'll take you to a form. It's a short form. Fill it out. Pastor John, his team will have a conversation with you. If you're in here and that's you tonight, then we need to have a conversation with you. There will be people up front after the service that would love to have that conversation with you. There's a room in the hallway to the right called Guidance Point. There'll be people in there that will also love to have that conversation with you. But every bit of potential begins with this. The word of God is designed when heard and believed to save us. Listen to Romans. Paul says it this way in Romans 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be, will be saved. How many of you are grateful for that? Right? Listen, if you called on the name of the Lord and you know you're saved, somebody say amen. Bible says, how then can they call on the one who they haven't believed in? Right? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them. That word is proclamation, right? He says, and how can they proclaim unless they are sent as it is written? He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, but not all Israelites accepted the good news for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message. Now listen to this. Consequently, faith, everybody say faith. Right? That's the Greek word pistis. It means persuasion. Our persuasion to believe comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of. You want to know how people be saved? They have to hear the word of God. Amen. And nobody can be saved by your faith. Your faith can't be transferred to your children. Your faith can't be transferred to your family, to your friends or your neighbors. Every person needs the seed planted in them. You know how they get it? The Bible says they have to hear the message and believe the message. Why do you think the most important thing that you can do to see people come to faith is invite them to church? Because listen, let's be honest. Most of your friends aren't going to listen to you. Right? Listen, you've said enough dumb things. They're not listening to you. Right? They'll listen, they'll listen to you when it comes to which, which restaurant to eat at, right? How they should wear their hair or what clothes to wear. But you start talking about eternal issues and salvation. Most people run into a brick wall with their friends and family, but you know who they'll listen to a preacher, a teacher, 70% of people who come to faith in Christ still say they come because one person invited them to church. In the age of social media and technology, it's still a one-on-one invitation that gets people to faith in Jesus Christ. So there are people in your life who aren't saved. You want to know how they get there? You got to get them to hear the word of God. It's the seed with all the potential to produce an amazing life, an amazing harvest. But most importantly, it's the thing that will ultimately save them from eternal separation from God. Amen, church? Potential. Here's the second thing about the word of God. Penetration. Penetration. Right? That's Hebrews 8. I need Hebrews 4. Right? Hebrews 4.12. Right? That that number there is a little harder to read. But Hebrews 4.12. So we're going to talk. So once that seed is sown, a seed that never gets into the ground is a seed that never produces any type of flower or plant. Correct? Yes or no? Right? Did you hear what the Bible said? When you sow the seed on hard soil, guess who shows up to eat the seed? Everybody say Satan. So when you share the word of God with somebody or somebody you know who isn't saved, hears the word of God, you're immediately engaging in a spiritual fight. Do you know what happens when there's a fight? Punches are thrown. Things get harsh. 
right? So if you've got a son or a daughter, a husband or a wife, a family member or a friend that you're trying to get the word of God into their heart, immediately know this. You are asking them to engage in a spiritual fight that they know nothing of. Because when you get the word in front of them, Satan will do all that he can to snatch it up because he doesn't want to get it into their what? Their heart. Because if it gets in there and they believe it, they'll be what? They'll be saved. And your buddy just came to church because you asked him and said, hey, we'll go eat some good food after church. Little does your buddy know that the minute you brought him in and Joe starts preaching at him, all of a sudden Satan goes, hey, you're hearing something I don't want you to have. We got ourselves a spiritual fight. So you make sure that if you're doing that to people, you're also praying for those people. Somebody say amen, right? But he says the, the seed has to penetrate the soil to do any good. Here's what scripture says. The word of God is what? Living. A seed is living, right? The shell, the shell of a seed protects the embryo in the seed. And it's the embryo that actually can give birth to whatever this thing is, right? He says the word of God is living and it's what? It's not dormant. It doesn't need you or me to do anything. It's alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Here's what the word of God does. The word of God will penetrate. Everybody say penetrate, right? It will penetrate even the dividing of what? The soul and spirit, right? Thing of man and a thing of God. It will divide joints and marrow. It judges. Everybody say judges. Right? It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of a person's heart. How many of, listen, how many of you love people that don't know Jesus? Somebody say amen. Don't you want God to get a hold of these people? Yes or no? And you want to help and you're talking to them and you're telling them, oh, you shouldn't do this and you need to do this. All right? You just want them to see, right? You want them to see, guess what will do it? The word of God will penetrate so deep. It will divide from man's thing and God's thing. It will judge the thoughts and the intents of their heart. And look what happens. Nothing in creation will be hidden from God's sight. Everything will be uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom they must give account. You want people to be saved that you love? Get your word out of their ears and allow God's word to get in into their heart. Somebody say amen. We're never going to convert political people we disagree with who are ruining our nation by arguing with them that their politics are stupid. We will, however, see these people change their heart when the word of God penetrates, lays bare the thoughts and the intents of their heart and lays everything open to him who can give an account. I don't know about you, but the last thing I ever wanted to happen when I was a teenager was for my dad to know everything I did. Right? How many of you hid things from your parents growing up? This section better not lie over here. Right? Listen, we all did that. And how many of you raised kids that hid things from you? Right? Because you knew, just like I knew, that if you knew everything they were doing, stuff was going to go down. Can you imagine what a non-believer does when every thought and every intent of their heart is laid bare before God. And they know they've got to give an account for it. Do you know what happens in that moment? The Bible says it's the fear of God that begins our knowledge and understanding. You want to be afraid? Have every intent and every thought of your heart laid before laid bare before the guy you got to give account to. You can't do that for your friends. You can't do that for your children. You can't do that for your spouse. Only God's word can do that. You want to know the easiest way to maintain a friendship and get people to hear the word of God? Invite them to church. Invite them to church. Find the easy on-ramp for your people. We're having a men's event on Saturday. Maybe they don't want to come to church. Invite them to have breakfast with us. Invite them to have lunch with us on Saturday. They'll hear the word of God. Invite them to your small group. Maybe they don't want to sit in a room with 500 people. Fine, I can understand that. Invite them to the 12 people that gather around your table and let them hear the word of God. But I can tell you this, nobody you hate... And nobody you love who doesn't know the Lord will ever know the Lord without the word of God penetrating that soil. Somebody say amen. Right? The Bible says this in Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Anybody raising a young man or raised a young man that they want to see his wife pure? Yes, you do. How can you do it? By living according to your to by your word, God. Well, look what he says. I seek you with all my heart. Do let me stray from your commands. He says, I have hidden your word in my... And look what it does. That I might not... 
Listen, it's got to get in before it makes a difference. Staying on your, on your coffee table or on your phone, on your app, does not get it in the heart. It's only in the heart when you keep it there that you won't sin against God. Right? It's got to be God's word that gets in there. You want to know why your students should be inviting people and their friends or why your kids and grandkids should be coming to student ministry? Because they're going to hear the word of God. Do you want to know why children and families should be invited to children's ministry? Because they're going to hear the word of God. Are they going to have popcorn afterwards? Yes. Right? Is there a chance they could eat bacon in the cafe? Yes. Right? Is there a chance you'll give them a, a frozen smoothie drink that's overpriced so people could go on mission trips? Yes. Right? Why do we do that? Because you know, we know that when the word of God penetrates, the word of God can be believed and people can be what? Come on, say it. They could be saved. And what do we do? We talk people to death. We just talk them to death. We just talk them to death. And here's the thing about your word and my word. It just rarely ever penetrates the heart. It annoys the heart. Scares the heart. Burdens the heart. But only the word of God can change the heart. Amen. Listen, it's got to penetrate. Psalm 119 says this in verse 105. Your word is a what? Right? Look, look at its ability to make a difference when it penetrates. So when my, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a what? A light for my path. It penetrates even darkness. Do you know anybody in your life that's living in darkness? Somebody say amen. Right? Sure you do. You got family members. You got friends that are living in darkness. You want to know how they see? How they see? It's the light of God's word. It's the light of God's word. It's how it works, right? Because it penetrates, right? Colossians 3.16 says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. As you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Bring that first part of that verse back up, right? All of it is based on this. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, right? That's the goal. And as we teach and as we admonish one another with wisdom, he goes on to say, right, as we do songs, right, as we sing hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude, all of it is what? Out of the heart where God's word dwells richly. That's what happens. Stop measuring, stop measuring the singing of the songs and the teaching and stuff. Measure is it dwelling richly inside of you. Is it in there? God's word I'll hide in my heart so I won't sin against you. How's that working out? Right? You want to know how how well the word is dwelling? Measure the sin. Right? The word is a light into my path. Right? A lamp into my feet. How's the darkness in your life? That's how we know. We measure the singing. Oh, I came to worship. It was fantastic. Great. It was. If you were here tonight or you're online, it was Grade A, 100% from the heart, worship of God. Somebody say amen, right? It was fantastic, but it's not enough. The word of God's got to penetrate. The word of God's got to do that. Out of the penetration of God's word dwelling richly in you, that worship becomes not just words and notes. It becomes real, right? It becomes life-changing. Let the word of God penetrate your life. How about this one? Matthew 13, 4 says this. He says this. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Right? And we've read all of that. Let me, let me just remind you. Let me remind you of the tension involved in the word of God. For all of you. Everybody in here by line, I'm assuming all of us know somebody that doesn't know Jesus that we would love to see except Jesus. Yes or no? The word of God has to be believed, has to penetrate, has to be believed so they can be saved. Everybody clear on that? That's it, right? But let's be clear that the spiritual tension you create in your household, if you're married to a non-believer, right? The spiritual tension you create in your household when you bring the word of God into your family You have a spiritual fight on your hands. Maybe your kids don't know Jesus and you want them to know Jesus. You buy them a Bible, right? You get them to church. Let me tell you, when you engage Satan in the spiritual fight, things are going to get ugly, right? Be prepared for that, 
right? And if you're going to ask a seed to get into some soil, you probably got to do a little preparation of soil, which means you might want to till some. You might want to pull some weeds. You might want to do a little gardening and hoeing to get the soil ready, which means you might want to spend some time in a closet praying for your kid's heart. Because otherwise you're just going to throw seed on a hard heart and Satan's just going to come and take it away. Same thing with your spouses. Some of you are married to people who don't know Jesus. Wonderful. Prepare that soil so you can allow God's word to penetrate that heart. But man, the minute you start engaging your marriage in a spiritual fight, whoo, you better be prepared. It's going to get ugly. Same thing with your coworkers and your neighbors, right? But let's be clear. When the word of God penetrates and it's believed, it saves. It saves. It changes everything. Church can't save a soul. Church is full of people who had their soul saved. Amen? It's the word of God that will make all the difference in people's lives. It's not only got potential and not only penetrates real quickly. Let's do this. It also wants production. Right? I want to get through this pretty quickly, right? I just want to get to one thing. Matthew 13, 8, right? We read all of this, right? Seed falls on good soil, produces a crop 160, 30 times. You got the picture, right? Listen to 2 Timothy 3. Bring that verse up, right? 2 Timothy 3, look what uh, Paul says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you've become convinced of, right? Because you know those from who you learned it. How many of you learned about the word of God from somebody who taught you? Let me see your hands. Everybody online, right? How many of you ever taught another person the word of God and their faith came from God using you as you taught them? Let me see your hands, right? What an awesome feeling. He says, you know, then from infancy, you've known the Holy scriptures. Look what he says, which are able, the Holy scriptures are able to make you wise for what? It's its number one priority. The word of God, who is Jesus Christ, has one priority, and that is your salvation. That's numero uno. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Right? That's it. Secondly, make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Right? All scripture, all scripture. Everybody say all. It's not partly true. Right? Paul's words are just as true as the words of Christ written in red. Right? All scripture is God breathed. And here's the power of the scripture. It's useful to do what? To teach, to rebuke, to correct, and to train in righteousness. Leave that up. Bring that back up. One slide back. David, there you go. Right? Think about this. Right? Think about, think about ignoring that for a second, right? Listen to, listen to what God's word does. It will teach, it will rebuke, it will correct, and it will train in righteousness. Think about you. How much do you, with the people that you live with, that you raise, that you work with, that you go to church with, how much of your words are you using to teach, to rebuke, to correct, and to train in righteousness? And then ask yourself how effective that's going. Listen, when I write a sermon, I write 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Go ahead and talk about yourselves. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28 scriptures. Because you know what? I could care less if you hear my words. But if I get you in here for half an hour, 45 minutes, or an hour, whatever, you know, get over it, right? If I get you in here and I read 28 scriptures to you, you know what my hope is? That God's word is profitable. It is profitable for teaching, right? For rebuke, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. My words won't, but 28 scriptures has a chance. That's the reason why I use so many. It's why I spend so much time searching them so that I can give them to you. Because it don't matter what I say, but man, it matters a lot what God says, Right? Everybody say hi to Shelby. She just got back from a cruise last week. Woo, woo, right? Right? So scriptures God breathed that's useful for this, right? Teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness, right? If you want to do something that annoys your kid, stop telling them what's wrong and just send them a text of scripture every day. You want to annoy your children? Just text them scripture every day. You want to annoy your spouse? Just text them scripture every day. 
Don't say a word. Just text them every day. And text them two or three times a day. You want to know why? Because the word of God, when it penetrates, is living and active. And it's sharper than a double-edged sword. You want to get to the heart and the intent of your husband or, or your wife's heart or your children's heart? Let the word of God penetrate. You keep your words to a minimum. Just send the word of God to them. I love to annoy people with scripture. Just send it to them. Don't say a word. Just send it to them. You know, we spend all our time sending memes. And God knows there's some really funny memes out there. Some of them are just mean-spirited, like those who send me memes about the bears being terrible, okay? If that's you, you got it coming, okay? Right? But Scripture, right? And what does this do? Why, why is the Word of God so busy and active? So the man or woman of God may be thoroughly, everybody say thoroughly, thoroughly equipped for what? Every good work. There is so much work to be done in the kingdom. So much work to be done. And you know what we need? We, we need more people thoroughly equipped for every good work. And you know what the church is lacking? It ain't money. We're lacking people. The most important resource of any organization is people. And the reality is we got a lot of people coming to church. We don't have a lot of people thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the only way for that to happen is to let the word of God penetrate you. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. Hide God's word in your heart so you might not sin against God. Right? Now, here's the tension. Right? Here's the tension. And then I'm done. Matthew 13 says, here's the tension when you do this. Right? Other seed, verse 7 says, other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns, it says, grew up and they choked out the plants. Right? Just bring those verses up, David. Right? He goes on to say in verse 22, those who receive the soil or receive the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, the man or woman who hears the word. How many of you heard the word of God? Let me hear you say amen. Right? He says, bring that verse back up. Right? Go back one verse. Is the man who hears the word of God. Right? But the worries, right? The next one, the worries of this life, the worries of this life. Anybody in here online got a worry of this life? Let me hear you say amen. Right? Come on. How many of you got to worry? Right? He says the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, right? Or the concerns and the cares for riches. That anybody in here? He says what happens is those things win and they choke out the word, making the word what? Every bit of potential that the word has in your life is gone. It's all gone. Right? Is there another one there, David? Luke 8, seed fall, fell among thorns, stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, these people are choked by what? They're choked by life's worries. They're choked by riches and what? Oh, pleasures. And they do not mature. Right? Know anybody like that? Mark 4 says, still others like seed sown among thorns. Here's the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth... And the desires for other things, they get in the way and they choke out the word and they make it unfruitful. My guess is that's where a lot of Christian people live. I don't believe in my heart of hearts that there are people in here that don't love Jesus. I believe with all my heart, the older I get, people love Jesus. If you do, say amen. If you do, say amen. Right? Man, I love Jesus. The reason that people don't produce a bigger crop for Jesus isn't a lack of love. It's because they're living among the thorns. They're just overwhelmed with worry. Life is worrisome if you let it. Right? It's just worrisome. There's a lot of deceit in pleasure in the state of Florida. A lot of deceit in pleasure in Florida. A lot of deceit in the pleasure in Daytona Beach. A lot of deceit for other things. Wealth. Homes. Cars. Property. Everything. And guess what it does? It just gets in the way and chokes out the word. And people never mature, which means they're just unfruitful. Our churches would be overflowing if that didn't happen to people along the way. Right? Man, I hope that's not you. If it is, there's ways for, listen, there's ways for that to, to change. Right? That's why we have small groups. That's why we have those ministries to help you in that. Right, But my guess is that's where the majority of people live in those places where we're consumed by the worries of life, our concern for our wealth, our concern for pleasure and all those things. 
all it does is all that potential, one seed making all that difference gets thrown out of the way. Let me show you a seed. Go back all the way there, David, to, this, uh, to the redwood seed. Let me show you this seed to close. So the redwood and the sequoia, right? If you've ever been out to see them, this is an actual seed of a redwood tree. How many of you have seen a redwood tree, right? How many of you have seen a picture of a redwood tree, right? You know what I'm talking about. This is an actual, bring that, the seed picture up. Look how tiny those are in the hand of a human being. That's the seed of a redwood tree. Now, let me just show you a couple pictures of a redwood tree. This first one's not very good, but I only show it because it gives you a person. You see the person? This is a human being, and that's the tree, right? It's crazy. How about this one? This gives you a little idea of the scale, right? So this is a redwood tree, right? This is the space shuttle. This is a sequoia. This is a whale, That's the Statue of Liberty. Look how big this thing is in relationship to everything else. Potentially 340 feet tall because of one tiny little seed. Do you have any idea what God could do with your life when the word of God gets into it? If God can build a sequoia tree or a redwood tree out of a seed that small, imagine what the word God could do in your life if you just allowed it to be in there. You see, it's one thing for God to make you unique and to respond to you with his character. It's another thing for God to want to change your heart because your heart makes boundaries and those boundaries are deceitful and evil. It's one thing for those things to happen. But the only way for it to ever change is God's word has got to get in here. It's our prayer. It's my prayer that that happens with me. And it's my prayer that it happens with all of you. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine. Right In Matthew 7, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice like a wise man, right? Who builds his house on the what? It's on the rock, right? The wind, rain's going to come, streams are, streams are going to rise, the wind's going to blow, and it's going to beat against your house, and it's not going to fall because it's had its foundation on the rock. He says, but those who hear them and don't put them into practice, that person is a foolish person who builds his house on what? Saying, because guess what's going to happen? Rain's coming, streams are rising, winds are blowing, and they're going to beat against your hive. And the Bible says that it's going to fall with a great crash. Man, God's word makes all the difference in the world. Amen? And so my prayer is that you'll let God put his word in your heart and see what he can do inside of that heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for... Uh, thank you for Dan Mast. I didn't know Dan well, but Dan stood in that pulpit at Latona Church of Christ every Sunday for many years, and he preached the Word of God. And I happened to be a 17-year-old teenage boy who had never heard the Word of God. I'd heard the Word of my father. I'd heard all of those words that he had said for 17 years. And then I listened to a man that you had called to proclaim your Word, and I heard the Word of God Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And finally, that Word... That was sown in my heart took root. And I am so grateful for that man. Father, I pray for every person in this room. One, that they would be grateful for the person that sowed that seed in their life. And two, that they would be people, Father, who've accepted Christ now and allow the word of God to dwell richly in their lives. So that you can make all the difference in the world. And for those of us that have people we love who don't know them, Lord, would you help us to learn how to speak our words less and to share your words more as your word is what can rescue their lives. Father, I love these folks. I'm so grateful for them. I'm grateful we get to share on this journey. Would you watch over them and keep them until we meet together again? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church.